0: You're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shelleck and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth. Welcome to Bare Naked Money, the second in our two-part series about defined benefit pension plans. And today we're focusing on the commuted value of your pensions. What that means? how you calculate it, and how you evaluate whether this is a good option for you. Colin, can we call a, a two-part series an actual series,
1: or, or is this something else? You've, you've obligated us to maybe a third part, which we'll have to make up later, but I'm, I'm sure we're up to it. We'll find a way.
0: Okay, sounds good. My joke this morning is that I do uh, commute every morning from Burlington to Toronto and back, so I, I have a very good idea of what uh, commuting means. So. <laughs>
1: Yes, you do. But we'll try to improve upon that during this podcast. How's that?
0: That's right. That's right. So Colin, why don't you kick it off and just explain what is a commuted value and when may it be available for person, people that have a pension plan?
1: Out of a massive respect for the people who choose to plug into our podcast, I thought it important that we maybe lead off with who this might be applicable to. Because I'd hate for you guys to get all the way to the end of this, to realize it's got nothing to do with you. And other than our, the dulcet tones of our voice, you got nothing out of the podcast. So, uh, commuted value applies specifically to defined benefit pension plans and not all defined benefit pension plans offer commuted value at all. Sometimes it's right in the pension docs. So this is not an option for you. doesn't matter what other times there's restrictions. It has to be before a certain age, or it's got to be within an, after a certain amount of service. And furthermore, because of what we discussed in the last part, sometimes pension plans close to any commuted value transfers because of the funding level of the, or other issues with regards to the pension. So if you are in the sweet spot, and I think most people who clicked on this probably have a commuted value statement somewhere that indicates this is an option to them. If you are leaving your employer typically prior to retirement, which would typically mean prior to age 55, sometimes after, you may be offered a commuted value and i'll just say the very basic is it is a sum of money that is calculated a present value to replace all of the future payments they feel that they are going to owe you and they give it to you a lump sum for you to try to do smart things with and it can be a really big number can be an exciting number but is it a good number takes a little bit more effort
0: Yeah. And it's calculated. So you mentioned the idea of a current value. And so how do you arrive at that current value of what the pension is? And it's calculated using something called a discount rate. And this is grade 11, grade 12 math these days. It's not super complicated, but it's not super intuitive either. A discount rate is effectively like almost a rate of return that you could get on your money. So It's trying to make equivalent the value of something today, a lump sum today, which A is your commuted value versus a a stream of consistent yearly or monthly payments at some point in the future for a number of years. So when calculating a commuted value, again, last time we mentioned that these actuaries, these mathematicians who are actually calculating and coming up with some of the numbers here, These actuaries are calculating a commuted value using a discount rate, using some assumptions about retirement and mortality. Again, here's here's our word assumptions, right? So there's a number of assumptions that go into this commuted value calculation and the discount rate that's used. So just very simply, a higher discount rate means a lower commuted value and a lower discount rate means a higher commuted value, all else equal. Now, the interesting thing about these discount rates is they're based on bond interest rates. And I think as most of our listeners probably know, bonds interest rates today are just about at an all-time low. They're a little bit off those lows today as we sit here in July of 2021, but not too long ago, within the 12 last 12 months, these interest rates on bonds have been at an all-time low. So going back to what I said before, all-time low interest rates means all-time low discount rates, which means all-time high commuted values on your pensions, all else equal. Now, interestingly, these discount rates that are used to calculate the commuted value have changed somewhat over the last 12 months based on some actuarial standards. So historically, before December of 2020, actuaries were using a federal Bond interest rate to calculate these discount rates. And that's led to some challenges because, again, interest rates are at an all time low. So, what they've introduced in December of last year is they've mixed in not only federal bonds, Government of Canada bonds for these calculations, but also a mixture of provincial bonds, which are slightly higher risk, slightly higher return, and corporate bonds, which, again, are slightly higher risk and slightly higher return than that. So, important to understand. Things are changing, these assumptions are changing, so it's a bit of a moving target, but that in a nutshell is how you're gonna calculate what a commuted value is.
1: Did I miss any color there, Colin? Anything you should add? The devil's always in the detail, and my career has taught me that there's idiosyncrasies that can creep into this because there's an overlay to this beautiful, wonderful, magical calculation by the actuarial standards boards, and you outdid yourself, you outgeeked geeked me by quoting actuarial standard board things in this podcast. I hope our listeners are still here, but you have got union overlays to that. You've got provincial and federal legislation overlays to that. You've got the funding level of the pension that overlays that, that can affect this calculation. And also the, the other thing that if you really want to get interesting with this, the next thing that happens, you leave one employer, but from the, go from the provincial to the federal government, and then they offer you the equivalent service on the other side. So you've got competing commuted values. That you're, you're ramming together and coming up with an outcome. So as definitive as young buck here was with telling you exactly how calculation works in real life at the end of the day, just ask the pension people, what's my number, eh, and they'll do all the work. And if you understand the variables a little bit, that'll help you. There can be a timing issue where they're using a number from six months ago or 12 months ago that is material. So. Because there can be all kinds of things that affect the calculation. And we will never attempt to do that calculation. We will ask you to ask the question to get it from your pension provider. Understand that number one, they give it to us. But there's a lot of things that can confuse us. So don't begin to try to calculate this yourself. You just you're not gonna get anywhere close.
0: Yeah, don't go to your advisor, no matter who it is, I think that we're word... Maybe some of the more plugged in advisors out there, but don't go to any advisor out there and ask them to calculate your commuted value. They're not going to be able to go to your, your pension plan administrator, ask them what your commuted value is, and they'll be able to tell you the dollar value. So Colin, not only do you get this lump sum payment uh, when you commute your pension, but there can be some tax consequences along the way. So what are you seeing today when people come to you with commuted values? What are the tax consequences that they're looking at? Well, it
1: depends on a whole Bunch of things, but there's a maximum uh, transfer that you can do. So, you know, if you decide you're taking a committed value, then there's going to be an amount of that transfer that is eligible for a tax-free rollover to a Lira, locked in retirement account or a LIF, life income fund. There can be a substantial amount of money exceeding that number that you are eligible to receive that is taxable. Now, in depending on your situation, it's, you've got a bunch of unused RSP contribution room. You may be able to hide some or most or all of it. And therefore it all stays tax deferred and Bob's your uncle. Or you may be in the position where you've been a really good RSP contributor over the years and you don't have any extra room, but good for you. You already have the money in your RSP, So you're doing pretty well. Well, but in that case, there's, there's a tax consequence. And I guess this kind of gets into how to decide whether or not a commuted value makes sense, because what you need to do is. If you take the commuted value, you say, okay, here's the amount of money that would end up in a pot. And then you need, we would do a calculation or take a look at it and say, what rate of return would we need to get on that pool of money after all the taxes are paid in order to get you back into the ballpark of getting the same kind of income that's promised to you in your pension plan? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. And that's what an advisor needs to do for you is to help you understand what's being sent to you, understand what the tax implication is. Then go away and do a calculation and say, you know what, we need to get a a solid 4% rate of return on this pool of capital in order to put you in the same ballpark, to get the same kind of money back out over time. And that's a reasonable number. I've also done that calculation where I was going to have to make 18% a year. If my math tells me I need to make 18% a year to keep up with what they're promising you on a pension plan. And it's a fully funded pension plan. I want to say, yeah, no, you shouldn't count on me for 18%. I'm good. In fact, I'm really good. I'm not 18% reliable every year. Good. And at that moment, it's a commuted value does not make sense. That tax implication is something that some people miss because they feel, Hey, this is pension money. This is just going to roll over. Watch carefully in the documentation There can, and oftentimes is a taxable portion that needs to be taken into account.
0: Yeah. That 18% must've been back in the early eighties when you first got your start in this business, Colin, because interest rates haven't been that high in a long time.
1: I know if you ask me how it got there. I couldn't tell you, I I don't know what variable, whether they were taking something out of context or something was out of step, but I just knew at the end of the day, the client was way better off taking that pension than anything we could do with the commuted value. That's right.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things you mentioned there that were interesting, I think worth fleshing out a little bit. So you don't get this commuted value, throw it in your pocket and go and buy the, the shiny new boat that you want. That's not exactly what your commuted value is. Like you said, a portion of this commuted value goes into a locked in retirement account. That means that when you take the money out of that locked-in account or that lira, all of it's going to be taxable for you. And you can't take all of it out at one point in time. The locked-in name of there, that means that you can't withdraw 100% of that pool of money in any given year. It's designed to be a pension or like a pension, so they have a maximum percentage that you can draw out each year. So there's still some restrictions on that capital for you. And as you said, there's some tax impact potentially from the lump sum that you get. And, and what we've seen, as I said before, interest rates all-time low, commuted values at an all-time high, but the maximum transfer value, this hasn't changed. It's just strictly based off of your age and it's very simple calculation based off of your age. So you've seen commuted values go up, but you've seen maximum transfer values, transfer value on a deferred basis, tax deferred basis stay the same, so that gap continues to grow, which means the taxable
1: impact is growing as well. Something to to be aware of when you're thinking of... And not uh, too much confusion here, because frankly, this is a confusing topic. You know, Josh's comments with regards to the locking in provisions of a locked in requirement are notwithstanding the unlocking events that you can trigger in different jurisdictions at different points in time. They can include things like financial hardship. They can include a small balance unlocking, and they can include other... Things in different provinces. The People's Republic of Nova Scotia has got very stringent rules. Like basically, you have to have a doctor's note saying you're just about to die in order to get money out. Other provinces take you on your word that if you're having medical issues, you, know, you can unlock money. So, you know, the, the, the Josh is absolutely correct that you know it is the locked-in retirement account does fall under pension legislation, and it does fall under whatever jurisdiction of the pension was when it was funded. And there are very severe limitations on what you can do under most circumstances. But as with all wonderful pension legislation, it comes with a book that's 850 pages long with all kinds of gazintas So what you get, not, not to teeter on hormones, but that's the stuff you need to take to an advisor to make sure you understand what you're getting into.
0: Right. So speaking of that, Colin, what you want to take to the advisor, how do you look at the pros and cons? What are some of the questions that you would ask anybody that brings this 850 page book to you and says, I can't read
1: this. (laughs) What do I do? But but more likely the economy said, can I use this to buy my boat? You know, so that's often how it, it gets framed. Look, I think the very, at a very fundamental level, as I said earlier, what you need to do is at least a quick calculation to say, what It needs to be the rate of return expectation to come close to giving you the kind of income, the pension's going to give you. So that's step one for me, because if that's a bad answer, then you stop right there, or at least you need to understand that you need to understand that you're giving up something or maybe getting ahead by doing that. Beyond that, for me, I, I have a bias. I have a really strong bias towards control and flexibility. And when you, on a defined benefit pension plan, you've got limited options on how you're taking the money out and restrictions on how and when that can change or be done. I don't like that. If, if, if if I can play in a space that doesn't make somebody do that, I think at the end of the day, you can make good choices and get further ahead. Notwithstanding the guy that wants to buy the boat, because again, you, you can cause yourself harm. So if you're going to take this money and put it in a locked in retirement account and play the game to see how quick, how much money you can get out and invested all in Bitcoin and marijuana, you need to leave your money in the pension plan you, you, you just stop, you, you don't even get to play. Like I'm taking you off the field, I'm putting you back on the bench. You stay there because no, that, it, it is enough. You can really screw yourself up. So in having that conversation with the client, part of the professional obligation we have is to assess: out, is this person going to buy a hot air balloon or three or can we trust them?
0: Is is a hot air balloon. Does it have more depreciating value than a boat or not? I'm not sure.
1: It's just one of those fanciful things that some people really like (laughs) hovercraft, hot air balloons, just examples of things that people, when confronted with a large sum of money, sometimes they think like that. It's the basic math is the basic math. What expectation of a return do I need to get to? But the flexibility for me is the whole ball game because I've had clients who've retired and they've moved their, they've done the, the, the committed value and they've started drawing from it for a while, but then they get bored. They decide to go back to work and they go, I don't need all this income, except because it's in a lira account, we can shut that off for a while. Like we can stop taking money out of it. We, we don't need to keep taking money out of it. Go back to work for another two, three, four, five five years. We'll let this grow some more. And then when you do decide to finally retire, we can turn this back on. Those kinds of flexibilities can dramatically improve your after-tax money you get to spend in your lifetime. And that's, I've seen those scenarios play out so much, not with the hot air balloon crowd, but with people who are really practical with that really can make a big difference with a little bit of good advice and and all the rest of it, it. You can get much further ahead that way. So I have a bias to flexibility. So I like that. The money stays in your family. It's part of your estate. It can go to your spouse, it can go to your kids. If you leave it in the pension plan, there can be spousal benefits to it and things like that but again that lump sum asset doesn't form part of your estate as it does once you take the commuted value
0: yeah and and in some cases buying that boat or that hot air balloon is really important to somebody and it works within their financial ability so maybe a commuted value can help you get there and it, it still could make sense I'm going to punt on the hot air balloon comment, but I I know we don't have a lot of clients with boats or passions for that type of thing, and a commuted value can help you get there. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit to, to you, Colin, because a defined benefit pension plan, in a lot of ways, is a very risk-averse way to, to manage your retirement plan, in a lot of ways, and in not all cases, but in a lot of ways, it is, because one, you get this, it is defined, right? For the most part, this is a guaranteed, and I, I, I use this 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 word very loosely guaranteed, because in a lot of cases it's not truly guaranteed, and we covered that in our last podcast. But in some ways, it is it's a set amount that the pension plan is intending to pay you for the rest of your life. If you plan to live to 125, that's going to be extremely lucrative for you. And no advisor is going to be able to earn a rate of return on the money to compensate for the length, the duration that's going to pay out. Also, a lot of them will have some inflation protection on them. So that's one unknown, one variable that you can take out or mitigate through the use of a defined benefit pension plan. Now, again, you need to look at the defined benefit pension plan Specifically, because not all of them are guaranteed, not all of them have inflation protection on them. But a lot of provincial or federal managed by the the government plans do have that level of certainty. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. But it, I, I think what you're another way of saying the same thing that you're 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 talking about here is it takes all of the decision making out of it. You know, because as some clients, they just don't want that. They they don't want to have a big sum of money that they feel that. Obligated that they have to make decisions on because again that's stressful to them. They like the idea I got a pension. What's a pension? Well, the pension shows up in my account every month, and I like pensions. It's good because money's on my every month. And I don't have to think about it. And there's money in my account every month. And what we're talking about is if you do go the committed value route, there's a, it comes with a lot of options. But the other side of it is it comes with a lot of options. So if you and some people don't like that complexity, so again some of that comes down to choice. I would probably argue that pensions seem more guaranteed than they really are. And that's largely because they take a lot of the decision-making out of it and you surrender yourself to the system. And that's very comfortable for some people to do. And there's no, that's not terrible. It's, it's just knowing who you are as a human being, because with all of the advantages that choice brings, that comes with a whole bunch, more. you can choose to do different things with your account that may not be in your best long-term interest, you, you can actually dig yourself a hole. And that could be stressful. Even if you're doing everything right. Some people, if they stress over, they've done everything right. But their brother told them that they should blah, 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 blah. Or what about this marijuana thing? I really need, I feel I need to understand this marijuana thing because, well, I've got a lot of money invested for those people. And you asked earlier about the conversation. That's the conversation you have with the client. You're trying to make sure you're not going to shorten somebody's lifespan with stress by making a choice like this.
0: Yeah, for sure. That, that, that stress thing, I think matters to. To us, and it matters to some people as well, because when you have a commuted value, this is a, a pool of money that you now need to manage, and you're going to see this pool of money go up and down in value over time. And if you see your pool of money drop ten percent, and you're going to lose sleep over a night over that, then maybe commuted value is not the right way to go for you. But as you said, Colin, I, even the best pension is not guaranteed in all senses of the word. So. There's a lot of different angles to look at this stuff for.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things pensions have going for them was they only get actuarially valued every two or three years rather than looking at your statement every day. Yeah. You know, so it's a whole, it's a different way of, you have to be prepared for all the repercussions of doing this.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned one thing that I think is important to just highlight again is the estate. So if let's say you and your spouse passed away at age 70, your pension's gone. There's no survivor benefits beyond that. But if you take the commuted value of your pension and you pass away at 70, presumably there's going to be a good chunk of that value left in your lira, in your RSP, whatever it is. That's going to be an asset that can pass on to your estate, to your beneficiaries, to your children, your grandchildren, something that matters to you. So, another consideration to throw into the hat there. <laughs>
1: Again, sorry, my mind keeps spiraling to the other side of everything you say. And it's like, yep. So you've got something else for the kids to fight over. So
0: <laughs> you're so cynical.
1: <laughs> I've been around the block a few times. So, well, it, it, it's important to understand that three power comes great responsibility. It's, it, this is not something to be trifled with. And for many people, it's one of the largest financial decisions they'll ever grapple with when they get faced with this. Again, just to circle back, if it's not obvious, talk to a financial advisor about this stuff. Don't go try to figure this stuff out on your own, because Again, having done this for three decades now, I still read the little document and try to figure out if there's a different nuance because it's always different. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to keep your hands on here.
0: Yeah, and just to be transparent, I, I think it's worth saying your financial advisor may have a conflict of interest in this in that they are incentivized to manage more assets for you. And there may be some incentive for them to recommend commuting the value of your pension. We hope that you have a trustworthy financial advisor that's always doing what's in your best interest. And that's considering your personal circumstances and your, your goals and objectives. But it has to be said, this is just one lens. You don't wanna lose sight of this fact.
1: No, and, it, and we've done uh, previous podcasts on talking to financial advisors and it's pretty quick to figure it out. If you walk in with your pension statement with a commuted value and they just pull up the account docs and start, okay, so what's your income? Like if you're starting to fill out an account doc at that moment, yeah, walk back out that that's not what you want. Somebody it's going to take a bit of a conversation. If somebody should challenge you as to what do you really want to do? That's one of the times when having a plan and having a planning approach is essential. So again, you walk in with a statement and your pension, to ask an opinion, and they start filling out an account doc, turn around, walk back out because that's not how you want that to go. You, you need to have somebody to provide you counsel on a decision like that. One
0: other smaller consideration when thinking about commuting, just circling back to that, is when you commute your pension with some organizations, you'll sometimes lose, let's say, health and dental benefits or some type of extended health care that they're offering to their employees through retirement period. So that's one also tertiary, let's call it, consideration to make. You want to see what kind of spillover effects the commuting of your, your pension may have.
1: Sorry, and those options come in at two sides. So a very rare occurrence, the employer or the pension plan will still continue to pay part of the premiums for you. So you end up splitting the premium, which makes it inexpensive. Oftentimes you're paying the full cost of the plan. So they're a little less advantageous in that perspective, but what you do get, even when you're paying the full cost is there's no medical underwriting. So if you're going into retirement and you have significant medical needs, that plan typically will require no medical underwriting therefore may be disproportionately valued valuable to you and josh is absolutely right you need to take that into account
0: yeah so colin let me ask you this having having talked about all this you've been doing this longer than i have have you seen a higher percentage of people a higher number of people coming to you with the idea of commuting their pension today or has it stayed pretty much consistent over time
1: it's, i probably say it's happening a bit more because people's careers are a little bit more fluid than they have been. I think the numbers on average time working at a job have dropped in the last 10 years. Now, having said that the number of defined benefit pension plans out there hasn't really increased and people who tend to get into a place where they have a big pension plan are not likely to be as mobile. But yeah, I must safe to say we've seen this question come up a little bit over the last few years. And I think coming out of this pandemic, we're going to see it happen quite a bit. Cause again, there's, there seems to be quite a bit of mobility currently in the workforce, but yeah, I think we're going to see the, this pick up. For sure. More people are going to you know, bump into this as an option to do.
0: Yeah. And values, like I said, are, are somewhat at an all time high. So that's also attractive to people when they see that. it's There's a bit of sticker shock there for them when they see, holy, I've been working for how many years? And that's what my commuted values.
1: That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a big number and it's an intimidating number, but it's again, it comes with a lot of responsibility. And, you know, I, I, I keep circling back to that because as we have this conversation, I keep thinking, like, wow, like this, there's enough power for people to actually do themselves some harm. So it's a really approach this with a lot of caution. All right, everybody uh, cl- classes is, is adjourned. Professor Josh has, has exhausted all of the research he did on the actuarial standards board and shared it with you against your will. So, you know, there, there will be a test and if you're successful with the test, I think it gives you some kind of certificate. Anyways, this is the, a, a very dense subject and thank you for sticking with us all the way through the end. Obviously questions and comments are more than welcome to your work guide us going forward. So thanks for spending the time with us and the best of luck with your pension decision-making.
0: Thanks, Colin. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a Portfolio Manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the Portfolio Manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth, Inc. IA Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth, Inc. operates.
1: Based on observation, it seems that the time an investor is most likely to move his or her portfolio to a new advisor is when the old advisor dies. Let us go on record as saying that having a pulse is not a great reason to trust someone with your entire financial future. Stop putting your life in the hands of stillbreathingwealthplanners.com and call us.